Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Tet Vines, the podcast where we talk about tech, talk about wine, drink a little wine, and talk some more about tech while we're <laughs> drinking the wine. <laughs> Does it, is it always in that order? <laughs> it depends on the night. It depends on the night. Okay. Um, All right. I'm your host for tonight's episode, Colin Gallagher, and as usual, I am um, joined by my compatriots in tech and wine, Scott Delandy. Say hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. And Melissa Gurney-Green. Hello. Um, so the mission that I tasked you guys with tonight for wine was to uh, buy something local, you know, a local wine, however you defined it, but ideally made locally and even better if it was grown locally. So what did people find? Let's talk. start with you, Scott. Oh, we should have went to Melissa because she... Yeah. No, because she's got the easy, easy one. I yeah, know, yeah. I know. So I went. So for people, I, for people, for people listening, Melissa lives in wine country, so it's easy for her. Yeah. Scott lives in Massachusetts, which is a different type of wine country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, different, different indeed. Yeah, different um, wine. So, so as we've talked about, I live pretty close to the the New Hampshire border, and there is a uh, a winery in a town called Amherst. New Hampshire, which is less than five miles, not even, um, from, from where I am. And uh, I see their stuff all the time, you know, kind of like the local stores and things like that. And I've never really tried it because I just assume, ooh, local New England wine, this, this, this can't be good, right? Um, so I went and I, and I got a bottle. Uh, it's called Granite State Red. And again, it's the, uh, the LaBelle Winery. Um, and, you know, doing a little research on the winery, all the grapes are local grapes. So I had thought for some reason that they they did the uh, the distilling and the bottling there, but they brought in grapes from other areas that could be literally anywhere. And I found out I was incorrect. They basically only deal with things within kind of the New Hampshire and the Massachusetts. They do go as far down as Pennsylvania, which I guess kind of still counts, but um, but all local wines and it's a it's a red and it's very nice, um, very fruity, fruit forward as uh, as Colin would describe it. Um, in terms of the uh, the taste, I, I pick up a lot of uh, kind of an apple as well as a sort of raspberry type. Um, but it's not overly sweet. It doesn't have, you know, kind of this really, really, you know, heavy, sweet aftertaste. Um, it's good. I think as a table wine, I would probably get this again. I think I paid like 13 bucks for it, 14 bucks for it. So uh, for the for the value for the wine, um, it's uh, it's not bad. I'm pretty happy with the selection. Glad I tried it. So what are the grapes in it, Scott? Um, for this one right here, so this is the red. I would have to look it up real quickly. But, you know, the grapes come from, um, you know, a bunch of different fruit farms um, that are in the uh, the local yeah. area. I'm just surprised um, they can grow good vinifera there. Well, that's what – so that's the thing is the grapes that they do choose are grapes that can be uh, grown mm -hmm. in the, uh, the New England area. So they – you know they're ready to pick in the uh, in the yeah. early fall mm -hmm. in their uh, grapevines that can survive the uh, yeah. the winters here. So probably yeah. not too different than the things that you guys would have out in uh, in your yeah, no, yeah. yeah. The, so, uh, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was wondering. I'm just wondering if it's hybrids, which is which is my thing. I'm into the hybrids because that's the only thing I can grow here in, in red. Yeah. 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 And Melissa, what did you choose from your? So cornucopia I, of of wine <laughs> nearby. I picked a new one, so so that it would be something um, 
something new to me. Typically, I would go with like the Velvet Devil Merlot, which is one of my local favorites. But but this is uh, Camaraderie Cellars um, 2016 Cabernet Franc, and it is wonderful. Um, it's kind of heavy and very. You can taste the cherry in it. It's, it's almost like. It's very heavy cherry, um, almost a black cherry kind of flavor to it, um, and and a little kind of gritty. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but but it's it's awesome. I'd definitely drink it again. And um, it's the grapes are grown in the Yakima Valley, which is of course just over the mountains, and the winery itself is in Port Angeles, which is on the peninsula. Oh, nice. Cool. And I had a different plan when I chose this. I was going to go to a different local winery, unlike my traditional one, but the weekend got away from me and the week got away from me because it's been insane. Um, and my car was in the shop for two days. Uh, my truck was in the shop for two days. No, it was, it was just, it was more waiting for a piece. And then, then when it got there, I couldn't get in time because I, I had a late call. So I was without transportation for a bit. So I went to the local place that's just two miles from me. Um, which I've talked about before, um, but they they have a new winemaker on staff, not the one who dated my brother, um, and mm-hmm. and, um, and she she left and went someplace. But um, and he's been doing a lot more traditional reds. You know, she was very very big on sweetening them them for the local market, like back sweetening, adding sugar or glycerin, so you could actually taste it. Um, and he's into doing much more natural stuff. And this is a grape that they planted uh, three or four years ago. And I really like it. It's called Noiré, um, as in Noir plus an E.T. Um, it's a hybrid grape um, designed to designed by the, um, oh, I think it's, um, oh, uh, I was going to say, um, Agricultural School uh, Cornell. I think by Cornell. But anyway, they have a, oh, me, did I lose me? Um, d- designed by Cornell uh, and really great. Um, it is it is actually very, it's a hybrid between vinifera and American grapes and it's very, very drinkable. Um, some of these things can be, you know, like if they make them out of, um, you know, conquered grapes or something, they can be sort of musty or off and this is not. Um, they've done their good job in the hybridization and um, it's very, it's not quite a cab. It's a little bit more like a lighter cab, but it's got a lot of that blackberry flavor, um, a hint of tannin, not too much tannin. Um, and he's actually aged at Noak, so it's it's really really nice. I'm I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. So just doing a quick search, this no. this is made from a it is a hybrid um, mm-hmm. uh, grape as well. It's a French hybrid grape, and I'm going to try mm-hmm. and pronounce it. And I know I'm going to mangle it, but it's a Maréchal Folk. Oh, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was developed at the uh, Oberlin Institute. Yeah. So and that's a surprise. A, we got some mad science going on here as far as... Well, and that's the thing is like you don't think about... You think, you know, you think hybrids are something they just did to grow grapes in places where they can't grow in the U.S. Um, but because of the the flocks um, and everything else, they've actually done hybrids in Europe for a while as well. Um, you know, the traditional way they do it is they graft, um, you know, vinifera grapes on American rootstock because the flocks attack the, the roots. And so the American Rusak is, is immune, but they've also tried hybrids because there's a hybrid that I've planted here. It's called Regent, which is a German hybrid from, you know, it's over 100 years old. Um, and so they grow it in certain parts of Germany. So, so yeah. this one also uh, includes a, uh, a little taste of uh, blueberry mixed in. Mm-hmm. So that's oh. the, uh, the fruitiness that you can yep. uh, 
can taste definitely it. taste. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Cool. I, would, I would drink this again, absolutely. Yeah, I'm very impressed with Moray. I was um, I was um, but <clears throat> had hit or miss with their reds. So I wanted to try a different one, but um, uh, this is really nice. And I'm gonna have to go back for more before it's all gone. Cool, yeah, cool, I've been cool. doing I've been doing a lot of since we did the uh, the episode where we did the uh, the Pinot Noirs. That's mm-hmm. been kind of my lately. If I'm going out to dinner and I'm gonna have a glass of wine or something like that, I've been kind of going to the uh, to the Pinot Noirs. So nice. expanding my horizons. I almost went. I had I had another from a different vineyard. I had a local mead. That was my Ooh. backup for last week, and I was like, the inspiration for the idea, and I was like, maybe I'll just have the local mead tonight. But I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're gonna try and yeah. cheat. No, no, I can do no, it. Yeah. It's not cheating. Oh, no, it's still right. local. It's, it's local, yeah. Okay. It's local, right. it's fine. It's local, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's fine. Yep. Um, so the tech topic for tonight, we were going to go back to more of our educational theme and sort of talk to people who are listening about what's the future tech they need to pay attention to, to and learn. What do they need to know to be in this industry in five years? You know, 10 years maybe, but I don't think any of us, think any of us can predict that. But what do we think sort of the, the key trends that we're seeing evolve right now and what you need to be, you know, at least proficient in or understand? I mean, depending on, you know, <clears throat> some of us, Melissa, are more technical and, you know, and, and, need, and, and go much deeper. Some of us, like Scott, are superficial hand wavers. Oh, God. <laughs> and me as well. Yeah. Like, and, um, wow. Um, but no, but we, we need to know enough to go to go deep, just enough to be credible. Um, huh. <laughs> I'm giving you shit. I'm giving no, you that's shit, fine. So, that's um, fine. Hey. Yeah. And so but what, what are the things that people we think pe- the listeners should know as they sort of you know plot out their career next steps? Well, you Who know, if, if, first? If, uh, well, well, and I can, and I can, I'm, I, let me give you the, the genesis of because I was talking to my team about things and there were, mm-hmm. I was surprised that my team didn't understand some, the importance of certain technology. I'm not going to say a, a couple certain technologies. And I was like, really, if you want to be in this business in five years, you need to know at least how to converse and what the, you know, what the, what the key benefits are, what the key issues of this are and sort of, you know, you know, how it's deployed, right? You know, you don't need to, you don't need to be able to, you know, you know, deploy it, but you need to know the basics of it. Well, I would say, you know, based on, you know, if I look at kind of the, the, you know, the, 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 um, the talent coming out of college and look at, you know, people who've just finished up internships and I work closely with a lot of the, uh, the interns, yeah. uh, that came in this summer, you know, the, the three things that seem to pop up the most often in terms of things that I see on the resume are things that people are interested in. You know, number one is is definitely data scientists, right? So, you know, the, the analytics piece of that. So, um, you know, being able to understand kind of the methodologies and, and just kind of the, you know, sort of the, the algorithm side of, you know, the data scientist piece. Um, the second area of interest that I see a lot of is in, is in kind of the artificial intelligence um, space, which is always interesting because when I talk to somebody that says they're interested in artificial intelligence, I always want to understand what do you think you mean by that? Because that's, you know, one of those, you know, catch-all types of um, categories that just mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, especially depending on what, what side of technology you're, you're coming into, whether it's, you know, kind of the consumer side of things or whether it's more of the enterprise side of things. And it's always always interesting to see what, what people think of uh, around that because I know my you know, the things that we focus in on um, are vastly different than I think people on the consumer side even know 
are mm-hmm. problems that you know are, are things that we're looking for artificial intelligence to help solve. And then the the third one is probably not not a surprise either, and that's the security side of things, right? So I think you know security has been kind of this sort of you know a, a, a an elective discipline in terms of something that you can study. Um, but more and more, it's not becoming something that is kind of separate. It's something that's very much intertwined with with all the things that people are working on on the um, on the technology side of things. The one the one sort of observation that I have, and I and I talk to a lot of people about this, is that so I work in a in a kind of a product management sort of engineering um, kind of a kind of a team. And just from a you know the the job role of product manager, right? It's a it's a very well defined role, right? There are you know certain things that you look for as far as experiences, and typically you know we, we would target people that have three five years to, to bring them into a, a, a typical product management role. And the challenge is that a lot of you know schools and, and people coming out of schools they don't have that offered, right? So you have to kind of substitute you know, for th- things that, that we're looking for, you know, somebody that has kind of a, you know, sort of the business side experience um, kind of cross with, with an interest in sort of the, the technology side. But there is no, nothing that I've seen where people are coming in with, you know, a, a you know, specific area of study in the, in the role of being a, a product manager, because it is, it's not a, it's not an art. It's very much a science, right? There, there, it's a, you know, very well defined role that has you know a lot of kind of structure and a lot of process involved, and it's difficult to find you know younger people who are coming out of school that that have that in their background. I, I actually think we should do sort of a future episode on you know on you know describing certain key jobs in tech so people understand yes. them because I could go on this forever because I actually slightly disagree with you and Scott. I think there is art to too. it, particularly in, particularly in terms of how you negotiate with engineering, how you negotiate with, you know, and, and solicit information from customers, you know, you know, I think whether, you know, whether it's inbound product management or outbound product management or, you know, sort of internal product management is different, but, but back to the AI topic, like what are the things that you think people need to know about AI? What's, what are sort of like the key, you know, the elevator hit on AI? What do you need to know? Besides that, Mel- it's important. I'm going to let Melissa go first on that one. Okay, so um, AI wouldn't be one of my top choices, and here's why. It, it is so new still, and the people who are playing with it, um, with very few exceptions, who, most of whom are involved in some kind of antitrust suit, um, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's very much a dark art right now. It, it's not really a science, I would say. I'd say, I'd say right now it's, it's so early stages that we still don't know what we don't know. Um, so I would say over AI, I'd say machine learning and specifically training machines to do simple tasks, which essentially boils down to automation, right? So learn how to automate your simple, repeatable tasks very, very well. Learn how to teach the machines to automate these tasks very, very well. And, and I'll, I'll save mine for separate, but, but I'd say in terms of artificial intelligence, I would, I would focus more on the machine learning side of it and then, and then start paying attention to the people who are solving real simple problems. And, and that's where AI is, is really going to start taking off. It's not going to be um, mm-hmm. kind of this, this kind of Watson concept that came out of IBM yeah. where, where you've got this 
all-knowing kind of kind of database that tells you all the answers to life, the universe, and everything we know. It's going to be it's going to be uh, a simple kind of algorithm that shakes a device on your wrist to help a Parkinson's patient function, right? And and be able to be independent for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think AI it's was one of mine as well. Simple kind of um, kind of and, easier um, to solve problems. Um, AI was one of mine as well. And I think some of the things that I think people need to know about it are just that sort of, it, it is sort of experimental to your point, Melissa, but it's also hugely data driven. And I think, you know, it, it, it involves massive amounts of data. I think, you know, there's the anecdote, I don't know if it's true or not, but um, if anybody watches um, a Silicon Valley, you know, there was that season where they made the app to determine if it was a hot dog or not. <laughs> A hot dog or not? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, oh and apparently, it takes ten thousand images of hot dogs to train an algorithm to determine if it's a hot dog or not. Um, and so that's an intense, you know, it's an intense data-driven process, and it's a computer-driven process as well. And to Melissa's point, you know, most, you know, it's it, these are expensive resources from people who are involved in lawsuits, and you you want to keep those expensive resources fed. So there's a network problem from getting that massive amount of data to the compute resource and keeping the compute resources busy um, because that allows you to churn through those 100,000 images and determine if it's a hot dog or not. Pretty yeah. yeah, yeah. If, if you want a, a career as an AI um, expert in the next 10 years, you're working for the evil empire. I'm sorry. Like it's going to be your Facebooks, your Googles, your Apples. I know, I know you love Apple, but yeah. <laughs> but they're all under under this kind of investigation for for being super restrictive and and controlling the market in several key areas right and and right now mm. these groups and amazon and a few others own all the information they need to build this stuff and the rest mm. the rest of the rest of the people getting started in in the smaller companies just don't have enough data to really train yeah. these things yeah and yeah well and, and the other the other point related to that is i know you know you can get started easy with ai in the cloud you know nvidia's got a cloud kit and things like mm -hmm. that the problem is you got to get your data there too, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not just hey, you know, once you, you know, yeah, you can build a prototype in the cloud, but then oh, how are you actually going to train it when you need ten thousand hot dog images or, or whatever? And a great, great sample set. So you got to go yeah. back to the fundamentals of science and statistics and make sure you're mm -hmm. collecting the right yeah. data. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To me, to me, it's always meant something that, you know, it's something that is a process that mm -hmm. you know, started off as being something that was very manual and kind of sort of labor intensive, right? Um, and the, the, you know, the classic example is, you know, so you're sick and you have to physically go into a doctor's office, right? So you show up and you, know, you take a bunch of tests and you take your temperature and they ask you a bunch of questions to try and get down to, okay, what are the, what are the symptoms and how do those symptoms map um, to you know, the likely cause and what is the remediation, right? How do we get this individual um, better, right? Is it, is it an antibiotic? Is it take two Tylenol, call me in the morning? You know, what, what do we do? And, you know, now, you know, being able to not have to actually physically talk to somebody, but being able to just go in and do a quick kind of questionnaire where, you know, you can filter out the answers and depending on what you land on, oh, no, you don't have COVID-19, you actually just have a cold. You know, just you know, have some chicken soup and wait a couple of days, and, and, and you'll survive. And just keep washing your hands, and you know, stay away from other people so that they don't catch cold, <laughs> right? And that's kind of the, the the classic example. But when you look at, you know, again for for the folks that I talk to on the, on the technology side, it doesn't necessarily have to include 
you know, these ginormous data lakes where we're going in and we're running this real-time analysis to be able to determine that this consumer is going to click on this item if we show it in red on the screen and not blue on the screen. Because you, so, and, and I get that, and that's all cool stuff, but I think, you know, the, from a practical perspective, there are ways that, that AI can be implemented today without having to have, you know, all of that kind of, you know, the, 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 I'll just say kind of the, the coolness. It does solve problems. Say, I'll give you, yeah. you know, great, great, great kind of data center example, right? I have a, you know, some infrastructure in the environment and, you know, there is a, you know, a bug discovered somewhere <laughs> along the way. And so you go out and you look and, okay, here's the installation base. Here's everybody that has this particular product. We found this bug. We're going to put a notification out to say, hey, there's a bug in the code and here's the patch and you should apply the patch, right? One of the challenges that you have is when you get that notification as a user, you look at it and you say, okay, I have to patch this. Does this mean I have to do this this weekend? Or is this something I can wait three months until my, you know, my typical change control where I have a process in place where if I'm going to go ahead and, and do packs and fixes and things like that, I do it during this particular maintenance window when I know things aren't critical and applications are quiet or things like that. Yep. And and today, it's very hard for users to know that just because, hey, here's a patch, go ahead and apply it. So by putting artificial intelligence in place where now we can take that and we can correlate it to what's what are the other elements that are in the environment, what is the ecosystem, what is your what is your exposure, your risk level to this particular bug? And based on that, yeah, this is something that you should probably apply this weekend. Or no, you don't have anything in your environment that would have an immediate impact. So this is something that you can defer for three or four months. But being able to put the, you know, the intelligence into that and being able to do it in an automated way without having to have that, that smart you know, systems engineer that knows everything about everything happening in that environment to basically tell somebody, yeah, you got to do this this weekend or no, you can wait three or four months to do that. You know, that's that to me is is kind of the, the practical way that I see things like AI um, you know, being developed and, and being used very usefully um, today to solve a lot of pretty common problems that most people don't even realize these things exist in terms of some of the challenges with with you know managing some of the things that that happen behind the scenes. Yeah, I think that was most of the point. Is it, it's going to solve small problems first. Um, but that reminded me, Scott, that um, you know you talked about security, and I hadn't thought about this, but I I do I do agree with you. I think you know I, I would say, no matter what you want to do in tech, having a minor insecurity is going to help you go far. You know, obviously, if you want you know if you want to. You know, promising career. You want you can do, you can you know go into security, but I think being able to understand you know common security issue threats, even if you're in you know marketing or product management for something else that's not related, because it has an impact on everything. And being able to talk about it and talk about how you know whether how you harden or resolve issues or anything else, being conversant in that security language both for customers, because at some point you're going to have to talk to you know the chief security officer when you're selling your product or et cetera, or gathering requirements, they're going to know, or, you know, your internal IT people or something else. And, you know, so it doesn't come across as a, as a foreign language to you. It's going to be really important. You know, I, I studied, um, I happen to be lucky, and my um, thesis advisor in, in undergrad was a, um, was a cryptography expert. 
Uh, she happened to work on the Clipper ship, which we won't talk about, but um, um, uh, that sort of uh, demolished her in my eyes. But um, but so, you know, a lot of her examples that she did in class were, were cryptography related. I mean, you know, I remember I was TAing for her and she she taught basic encryption to in, in CompSci 101. So they could, you know, oh, let's transpose this because it's what she knew. And um, so it gave me a good basis in encryption. And, you know, I, I wish I had more in, in the other aspects of security. But I think, you know, I can I can talk that talk enough to at least understand it and, you know, get the salient points and figure out what's going on. What was your, Melissa? I'm going to take this a little different uh, way. And I'm going to say mm -hmm. this. More and more the underlying technology for for the things that we've we've done in the past is becoming a service right so so you'll be able to plug into two different technologies quite easily as a consumer and i think i think f whether you're an enterprise or or an individual it, it it won't matter i think more and more the thing that you should educate yourself on and connect yourself to is going to be your user experience I think the days of kind of waving a hand at the users and saying, I know better, I'm a technologist, are, are dying and dying fast. I think with the commoditization of technology and um, the offering of these services and managed services, I think more and more you're going to need to be connected to your users, what they want and how they use things. And I think having a very deep, very passionate stance on user experience and and designing that experience to cater to those users and make it easy is going to be a key, especially in the next 10 years. Yeah, I think, no, I, I, no I, I totally agree. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what we, what would we, what, but what are the, what should people go pay attention to read or, or get immersed in for that? Well, I think from a from a developer or again on kind of the product management side of things, you have to experience what it is like to live with this particular piece of technology as an end user, right? As somebody that, you know, is, you know, responsible for working with the technology, setting it up, you know, troubleshooting it, tuning it, you know, all of those types of things because, you know, it's it's great to have you know, a lot of knobs and levers and buttons to go and tweak and optimize and kind of control things. Um, but, you know, the negative of that is that it requires a lot of deep expertise in order to do that. And depending on what it is you're trying to do, you know, the vast majority of the users out there, you know, probably don't want to be or need to be actually need to be or want to be exposed to, you know, all of the kind of um, messiness that goes underneath. It, it's more of just the kind of the easy button. And if something happens, then you know, tell me what happened, and more importantly, tell me what I need to do in order to fix it, right? Um, and it's interesting that you know, when you when you have people um, that work with the technology but don't have, you know, kind of the the hands-on to really be able to understand, you know, why somebody would like a particular thing, or more importantly, why somebody gets irritated um, by a particular thing, then. I, I think it's in, in, I think it's just difficult in order to be effective when you're when you're doing that. Well, I mean, my rule has always been always assume that the person who's using your technology is not you. Yeah. You know, you know, it's your mother. It's you know somebody who's who's um, who's you know and, and don't go into it with any foreseen knowledge, right? 
you know, I remember talking to people and like, you know, say, well, if someone clicks this, something will happen. Like, well, why would anyone click that? You know, you, you should know not to click that at this step, right? It's just, you know. No, like, you, no. Sh- you, you don't yeah. know. <laughs> you don't know. Yes, yeah. Everybody clicks the red button, even when it's green or blue. Um, yeah, and more of that's getting automated out anyway, where there is no button to click, right? It's just basically. Well, yeah, and I think buttons. I mean, what <laughs> I did, what I, what I was trying to ask a leading question for, for, for um, for Melissa was, I think you know, you have to sort of curate that experience, and you have to be willing to put fewer decisions in front of users or customers. Yeah. Um, and you have to be willing to make that selection. I think part of the reason things get so complicated is because we say, hey, I'm not going to make a choice. You may want to do, you know, this one option in this in, in you know, 0.01% of the time. So I'm going to put it in there. It's really, hey, these are the 10 things you're going to do commonly. And you're going to focus on those. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Make it simple. Listen to your users, but yeah. curate the experience. Mm-hmm. Kill your darlings. Yeah. Quit, quit hanging on to the past so hard. Yeah. Like, some of that's just emotional intelligence and, and, and figuring things out from there. But I'd say, I'd no, say it's, it's, it's being willing to make hard choices. It's being, it's, it's being willing to, to, not just to design, but it's been willing to, 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 well, maybe it's related to this, but it's being willing to say no to things and not, Oh no, we, we, we can't do that. We need to present, you know, uh, you know, that curated experience. We can't throw everything in there. We've got to, we've got to focus on that, you know, that 80, 90% experience, which will and deliver that su- superbly versus hundred percent of everybody. Because you're not going to make 100 for them anyway, and and make it miserable for for all. Yeah, yeah. The idea yeah. is is to find your people. Yeah. And do very very well by them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's hard, especially when you have you know users out there that are kind of set in their ways. You know, I think of you know, there's lots of roles within IT where people become you know, very set in their ways because, hey, this is what, the way we've done a particular thing mm-hmm. for the last 20 years. And there may be better ways of doing it, but I don't want to change because this is the way we do it. And I trust this. And I and I would rather, you know, stick with the thing I know and trust than to take a chance and have to not just learn something different. I think it's more of just take a chance and have to try um, um, something new. And you know, great, great example of that is my, my poor mom, right? So she get, she used to get a, a physical check once a week, and she would get a check on Friday. And so what she would do is she would take Saturday, and she would drive to a credit union that was a half, away, half an hour from where she lived and go in and see the physical teller, wait in line and see the physical teller on Saturday to deposit the check into her bank account, and then she would drive all the way home. And this was Saturday. This is what you know a big chunk of time on on Saturday involved. And and I remember you know saying you know there's a mobile app and you could just you know scan the check in, and you don't actually have to physically take you know the couple hours out of your life every Saturday and plan everything around going to the bank and, and depositing this check. Mm-hmm. And she didn't believe me. And so what I did is I downloaded the app, put it on her phone, you know, created the account, took a picture of the check front and back with her signature, deposited it into her account, and just like she went to the physical bank, she had the money in her account and there were no issues. You know what she still does every Saturday? Goes to the bank. <laughs> she drives to the bank to physically deposit. Now maybe she just might like to get out of the house and go go for a ride, but again, it's 
it's something that, and, and, I, and I don't think it's that she's worried that it's not going to work. It's just, well, I know that if I go in and I physically deposit this and I see that human being and there's a videotape recording of me walking into the bank, they're going to know I'm not scamming anything and the money will be there when I need it to, you know, whatever, write a check or pay a bill or or that. But that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's very common, right? You have a lot of users out there that are still kind of wired that way in the sense that, Nope, you know, this is this is the way I do. You know, I yeah, I have email. It's uh whatever at AOL.com because I've had this email address for, you know, twenty-five years. And even though AOL hasn't existed in twenty years or whatever it is, this they is, still exist. They still <laughs> exist. Way. But but yeah. But, but, yeah, point but, being. It, but to Colin's point, is that the eighty percent or the twenty percent? Yeah. And I think if if you run the numbers, you'll find that that there's a point where those people become the 20%. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. The, one, the, the other one that I was thinking about, um, and again, this is not for towards a younger crowd, which you use you, you Q2 generally, I was, you know, sort of people my age. <clears throat> um, and, you know, this was the, the, two, the two technologies I was actually talking about were, were AI and containers. Nice. And people who are tech professionals not understanding containers and the implication of containers. Ooh. And I'm like, you know, it's just, again, it's you got to get it. This is the way the world is going to be within three to five years. And you need to understand why they're important, what they are, why they're important, how they're different from a virtual machine, the implications from all of that. You know, again, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to know what the um, the pivotal commands are to, to, to spin up a container or not, but you need to know what a container is and, you know, what actually runs in it and, and, um, and what doesn't run in it. Right. Um, and sort of how it's different and, and the implications of it, the fact that, you know, there, you know, you know, it isn't just another VM. It's, it is an order of magnitude. There are an order of magnitude more containers than our VMs, you know, in general to do a certain job. And that's part of the benefit of them. You can spin them up, spin them down, um, as needed, but that creates challenges, right? and so that's what you want to focus on. As to, you know, so just my two cents on containers. I think. No, I think you're. I think you're right. I think the only thing I would add to that is that it is. Uh, it, it's not an or. It's an and, right? Yes. Because there are things that it, it's not designed to replace very easily, <laughs> and that's not the intent. But there are a tremendous amount of new things that it is, you know, perfectly designed. To be able to support in a in a much more uh, efficient way, so it's definitely a better way of doing things going forward. So I agree. That's you know obviously yeah. a top top topic for a lot of you know enterprises in terms of you know IT strategies. You know what's my what's my strategy around containerizing um, these workloads as you know as they start to to you know become important, and I need to you know scale those out and you know and and support those. With you know the right infrastructure and service levels and you know all that stuff that goes yep. into into making those things real. Yep. How far are people into their wine? I'm halfway in my bottle. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. I'm so almost I halfway. Give me. A I minute. started a little bit early, so I'm uh, yeah. a little bit more than halfway. Good. What's your shirt, Scott? By the way. Oh, this is just uh, I. One of my Star Wars T-shirts. It's it's a black T-shirt, so I don't generally like wearing black T-shirts in the summer because I find them to be really hot. But today was a pretty nice day out, so it was only in the uh, in the 70s. Um, so I'm going through the um, the black T-shirts. It's interesting taking T-shirts that I haven't worn for a while and putting them on and seeing how they fit. Everything seems to be a little. 
different. Oh. Let's just say so. Uh, yeah. Good or bad, different. Um, not good. Oh, <laughs> not okay. good. I have a humble brag. I was like, I'm upset because my my best pants are too big now. So. Oh, yay! <laughs> All the now. running and biking and. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but um, no, my, it's not. My I, best I pants want... are not too big. And and they're not available for order now. It's like there there's some COVID China thing going yeah. on. It's like so pissed, like fuck. So I'm stuck with belts. Um, no, so uh, I had a filler question, which I didn't pre- prepare anyone for, and Melissa may or may not be able to answer this, but this is dedicated to Scott. Okay. Scott, how far into Umbrella Academy are you, and what are you thinking so far? Um, so we we just have the last episode left, so we're S- same year. Same year. That's, that's tonight. So yeah. we have uh, episode ten, and we're we're holding off on that for a special night because we want to make that one um, last. I think it's been really good. I thought. Yeah. I, well, I think season one is still better because um, I like the uh, the some of the characters that aren't in um, in this season. Um, but this one, I think the the storyline um, has been pretty good. It's you know the typical you know one one episode will end in the hook to get to drag you into watching the next episode. So um, it it moves it moves pretty quickly. A um, little bit of a, a twist, episode eight, episode nine, in terms of where I thought it was going to end in terms of just the, the overall plot arc. So a little bit of a yeah. change there. So curious to see how they wrap this uh, this season up. But one more uh, one more episode left. Yeah, same here. I just I, it's got ten to do tonight, but I'm I'm really liking. It. I think it's paced really well. Um, it moves. It moves. Um, I'm really happy with it. Yeah. I will tell you this: my my new guilty pleasure um, is there's a another um, documentary series on on Netflix. It's not new; it's like a year old, but it's called um, Love on the Spectrum. Hmm. Now, everybody everybody obviously knows what, what it's about just by the, the the title, but it basically it's a I think it's a five part documentary series um, where they follow. Um, young adults around that are on the autism spectrum. And, and there, there's a wide range of the spectrum that, you know, the people that they focus the documentary are on. Some are kind of mildly and some are very, you know, very severe in terms of the, the kind of the autistic um, behavior that, that they have. And, you know, I saw it and I was like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how this could possibly be entertaining. You know, watching socially awkward people go out on dates—it's just like, you know, that seems just—I, I, I can't believe that they would even, you know, people would think that would be entertaining and, and they would watch that. And that's absolutely what it's not about. What it's about is the way that they introduce the characters and the way you get to know them and you see their families and, you know, you hear about kind of their their history and they talk about. You know, they're they're wanting to, you know, date and meet other people and all of that. You really get hooked into the individuals. And, you know, when they're they start going out on dates and things like that, you're just kind of you're, you're, you ha- you're literally sitting there, you know, hoping that it all works out. And and you're just you get you totally get wrapped up into, into it. So, um, you know, I watched the first one and I was like, all right, this is this was all right. So I, I think I have one more left for that one. Um, but that's a good one. Um, Love on the Spectrum. I would definitely um, um, recommend that. It's uh, it's sweet. It's very cute. It's uh, it's a it's a good one. Yeah. Makes you, it'll make you it'll make you. It's not dark. It's not angry. It's not you know nasty. So if you're looking for a break from you know kind of the the general ugliness of what you can see on 
you know, different, especially documentaries on, you know, Netflix where you have, you know, all this just, you know, making of a murderer and, you know, all this one's a pretty sweet one. So I was, uh, I was impressed by it. Oh, cool. Nice. Are you you watching anything interesting? I have gotten to season one, episode two of the Umbrella Academy. I um, will probably get a lot further in the next two weeks um, just because there there are things happening where I will have some free time. But um, lately what I've been watching, one of my favorites is Black AF, if you've seen that. It's freaking amazing and hilarious. I've been focusing mostly on on comedies, so so. Um, but this is this comes from the person who who did Blackish and Mixish and all that stuff, and it's it's kind of a, a a mockumentary of sorts, and and it follows this kind of fake family around. It's it's super amazing and hilarious. Um, and then I is that I've is watched... that network? That's network, right? Or is that like a Netflix? Is, is that's? I believe I watched it on Prime. Okay. Okay. If it's not on Prime, it's either Netflix or Hulu. I don't do. Okay. Uh, I don't do cable All right. anymore. All right. Gotcha. So, one of those, but I think it was Prime. And then um, I went through all of Community, and then uh, doing Brooklyn Nine Nine. But I'm gonna be watching the next season of Rain probably this weekend. Yeah, yeah I'm the opposite. I'm mostly doing doing sort of dramas and escapist stuff uh, right now. Um, uh, I, I also am watching Cursed. What is this? Cursed is um, it's a Netflix show, Netflix original. Um, it stars Catherine Langford. She was in the Thirteen Reasons Why. Mm. The the female lead in Thirteen Reasons Why. I won't say more if anyone hasn't seen it. <laughs> um, and it's sort of she plays. Um, oh, what's it? Um, uh, I should know the name, um, but she plays the lady in the lake. Who Morgan gives... Le Fay. Um, not yeah. Morgan Le Fay. No, not Morgan Le Fay. No, because Morgan Le Fay is in as a separate character. That's what I was going to say. Morgan ah. Le Fay is, is Arthur's sister, right? Um, oh, right. The, okay. Uh, oh, no, I, I, um, I should know this because actually I was reading a sci-fi book and they used the name and I had to look it up. And it was this. Um, um, anyhow, um, what, uh, what the hell is her name? Um, uh, anyhow, so... Uh, uh, Nimue, Nimue, sorry, Nimue ah, yes. is, the, is the name of the lady in the lake. Um, and so it's sort of a backstory about what happens to the sword and the origin of the sword before, you know, Arthur gets it, you know, in, nice. so it's sort of set, you know, 10 to 15 years beforehand and focuses on that. And so it's, it's sort of an alternate Arthurian story, you know, um, you know, there's a Merlin and there's a young Lancelot and things like that. So you see them sort of, you know. Different. It's it's interesting. It's fun. Escapist. It's it's you know it's it pays homage to the you know the original um, you know characters, but it's it it goes off in its own direction. So how close are you guys to uh, actually going back to a a traditional movie theater? Because I, I'm sure out in your area, um, some of the movie theaters are starting to open up, and um, there are, from my understanding, there are no new movies to be seen. So they're taking you know, older movies that have been available, but the ticket price is 15 cents. So trying to draw people into the movie theaters and, you know, they've got the social distancing stuff in place. So it's real limited yeah. capacity and you got to keep a mask on and sanitize and, and, and 
all of that stuff. But how do you guys feel about that? That's not an option here. And no. I wouldn't go if it were. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm generally not a great movie theater guy. I'm, I'm more excited um, to see what happened with um, the Mulan release. Awesome. When did, did that got, come out? Uh, wasn't it last week? Oh, okay. So, so Mulan was supposed to go out in the theaters. Oh, um, the Disney Disney Mulan. Disney, Disney, yeah, Disney yeah, Mulan. yeah, yeah. It was supposed to go out in the theaters, and it got postponed because of COVID. And Disney decided they were going to put it on Disney Plus as a thirty dollar extra. Oof. And then you could, but again, if you think about taking your kids to to see a movie, you know, still cheaper than yeah, yeah cheaper than a theater. Cheaper than a theater. You know, for yeah. a family of four, it's it's cheaper. It's cheaper, right? You know, yeah, but the the, for, the challenge the challenge that you have is you have a you have a baseline in terms of what it costs to rent other movies. Yes, I know. And yeah. if I yeah, so if I can get something for two ninety nine, five ninety nine, whatever it is, and yeah, you know, most, I know. yeah, but but that's what I said. I, but I, I've always thought I've always thought there was a there was a market for premium streaming of new releases. You know, I'd pay thirty bucks to see you know the Star Wars movie the day release without going to, you know the theater. Maybe not yeah. Star Wars, but but some other ones like that, you know, right? There's certain well, I mean, would... so so there's only there's only one movie that I have on my radar for this year, yeah. only one. Which one do you think it is? Dune. No. Ugh. 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 It should How be Dune. Say... No, it's, it's probably top... another Star Wars movie. No, 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 no. It's, uh, no, I'm the... kidding. It's Top Gun. Yeah. It's Top Gun. Yeah, right. yeah. So the yeah. release for that is they're planning December now. Oh. Um, but but to your point, Colin, if that was something where I had the choice of you know, I'll probably when it comes out, I, I really want to see it. Um, so I would probably, you know, bite the bullet and go to the go to a movie theater because I wouldn't want to wait, you know, for however many months before it came out. But but to your point, if that was something that was released both in the movie theater and I could rent it for thirty dollars all day yeah. long, yeah, I would um I would rent that. For yeah, it's not going to be every movie, I think. Yeah, but um, um, um. It's not gonna be every movie. I think it's so. Like I said, like I want to see how that one, how that does, and if it's if they can prove that model viable. I'm not sure that's the right movie for, but again, it has a lot. I but I could see parents being desperate with kids at home. Being, I'll pay thirty bucks to let my kids watch Mulan. Um, yeah. But I don't think a live action. I'm not sure a live action Mulan is is the right one for that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. AMC's been trying to do that with their little service that they've been offering for for a couple months. Um, it could be interesting, but yeah. Given the options yeah. here, I'm not I'm not headed back to the movie theater anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. No. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to doing this the the Dune um, remake. It's supposed to be fantastic. Same. Oh. Yeah. So excited yeah, that, about that. But that doesn't have a scheduled release date yet, does it? December, I think. Okay, so they do have a release. Okay. Yeah. All right. But. Yeah. Well, interesting. But the trailer's supposed to come out soon. We'll see about that. Yeah. So who's up next week? Um, that would be me. That Oh man, I was just I. I so what are we drinking next week, Scott? You know. So next week is going to be episode sixteen, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, where we we we've done a lot. So I'm right? not drinking Mad Dog 2020 like no, I did when I was sixteen. No, no. <laughs> No, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. And you know, I wasn't gonna like. I'm not gonna be the first one to suggest cocktails at this because this is a wine drinking thing. So I'm not looking yeah. to, you know, to 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 um to soil the yeah. uh, the brand of uh, tech vines by mixing in you know alcohol. That could be either 
before or after the podcast, so we'll keep it clean with wine. I was thinking, um, I was uh, I was looking, and so same thing. I had some some memories pop up and some full, some pictures, and uh, this was about the time last year. Um, I was out in uh, South Africa, and uh, I remember you know having um, you know wine in, in South Africa, and it was like really inexpensive. I mean, it was like. I think in, in U.S. dollars, you got really good wine for like maybe four or five dollars. So it was it was excellent. So I was thinking maybe we'll do um, a South African red uh, as the wine choice. Right. Because okay. I figure that should be fairly easy. And then we can kind of compare and contrast that. And then um, I have my note here. So this kind of dovetails on on some of the things that we talked about. I actually wrote this down before we talked about it. But. Um, I thought the topic that we could talk about is, you know, talk about examples of technology that you love that have nothing to do with the technology itself, but more about the user experience around that technology, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, the, the obvious answer is like Amazon, right? You know, you hate dealing with Amazon because they have all your information. They're always trying to sell you something and, you know, Whatever but reason you that, love one click you know, ordering, but you love the fact that you hit a button and you know it, everything is set up, and you know a, a day or two later it shows up at, at your front door. So it's the the consumer side of, of things. Matter of fact, I've gotten so bad, and I know again we won't talk about Amazon in, in the next one, but I've gotten so bad that I have these random ideas of these things that I want to get and I've gotten so bad that when I think of them I immediately open it up and I'll do a search on Amazon and then if they have it you know I'll I'll order it so I'm getting you know sometimes two three deliveries a day for like just random junk <laughs> that I saw online that I realized oh my god I could I could I could order it I'll give you a great example um, so I have uh, my my door on my truck got uh, bumped somebody opened up the um, their door and, and put a ding in the door and it's a pretty big ding and I was pissed. I was like, oh man, you know, look at this, this ding. And it's like a pretty big one. And I was like, I gotta go to an auto body place. I can't because every time it's on my side, I see it every day. This is gonna my OCD, this is gonna drive me absolutely crazy. I have to get it fixed. And then I looked on Amazon, I did a quick search, dent pullers. And they had a, a two-inch suction cup dent puller for I think I paid six bucks for it. I hit the button at night, the next morning, actually this morning, it, it showed up, and I got it. I took it out of the package. I went, and I popped a dent out of my oh. door. Now, it doesn't look perfect, perfect. right? But, but it is, like, no longer, like, so noticeable that people go, what the hell happened to your door, right? I think I'm the only one that knows it's there now just because there's a little bit of a, a kind of a crinkle in it because it was such a big dent, but overall for – you know, six bucks because I said, hey, I wonder if Amazon's got something. I think I fixed the problem, right? So mm -hmm. how about that? Anybody needs a dent puller, let me know. I got one. Mm -hmm. For five bucks, I'll let you rent it. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and I was, and so then, like, and it worked so well because I was like, well, you know, I'll get the dent puller, and then what I'll do is I'll pull the dent, and then I'll just return it because what do I need a dent puller for right how often am i pulling dents out of the car but then i was like no i can't do this because it did it did work it worked reasonably well it was pretty easy to use so well, anyway also how valuable is your time at that point right like like the the, the amount of time it costs to return it isn't really worth it for i got bucks. time Melissa. <laughs> i got 
got some. You know what I don't have is I don't have a printer, so I can't print the label. So I have to take it and I have to actually go to the UPS store and have them print up. So yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's not worth the it's a pain. Um, it is, yeah. but it's a good story though, right? Hey, yeah. I got it. It is. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm gonna keep the dent puller in case I ever need it again. Now I have one. Now I'm looking for dents that I can pull out going to going to friends and family you got a dent you got one i can fix that maybe not perfect but we're gonna find to... scott in a parking lot like six months from now <laughs> well, and, yeah. and have to rescue him from being arrested hey for hey hey, hey, hey mister mister stuff. you got a dent mister you got a dent i can pull it for you <laughs> i'm the one i'm the one that'll be like five bucks i'll pull it for you <laughs> I, I i'll be one of those people that don't return uh shopping carts i just let it kind of sit there and wait for like you know, the wind to pick it up and have it smash into somebody's door. And then I can run over and I'm like, I got the solution for you. Ten bucks and you could own it. Turn a this can be your new Munchausen, Munchausen syndrome obsession. by Dent Puller. Yes. Munchausen syndrome by Dent Puller. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so uh, so that'll be it. So we'll talk about uh, South African Reds um, for sure. And then, um, you know, again, examples of uh, technology where it's not necessarily the technology, it's just the whole, you know, the whole experience, right? I'll, another example is Starbucks for me, right? It's the fact that I don't have to deal with any human beings. I don't have to talk to anybody. I can do everything as a mobile order, and I just walk in, grab my stuff, and go out. I don't have to deal with anybody. Matter of fact, I was at Starbucks today, and there was like a huge line of people and I had done my mobile order, and I walked in, and I was like, oh, man, what? this is going to take forever. And I had just put the order in like five minutes. It was a, um, a venti, a non-fat, flat white, by the way. If anybody's looking to, to buy me coffee, that's my, my new uh, drink of choice. I think it's like 120 calories. But, hey, you know, you got to live, right? Um, but that's I walked such, in. That's and... such a white girl drink, Scott. <laughs> oh, like... come it on, really man. Is. It really <laughs> is. It really is. It's good. It's good. So anyway, you're, you're, you're it's okay. In a month, Karen. it'll be yeah. a a non-fat pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. Ooh, and I'm not. A, yeah. I'm not. You know what? All right. So that'll be. We're, we're getting into the pumpkin season soon, so we'll have yep. to have some something themed about that. But the point being is, like, all these people were standing in line, and I walked in, and I was looking around, going, I don't know why all these people are standing there. And the barista was there. I says, Do you have a mobile order for Scott? And she's like, Yes, here it is. And I was like, See ya. Peace out, people. Enjoy waiting in line. So. Again, the coffee's good, so I, I drink it for the coffee, but I just like that whole user experience of not having to deal with, you know, ordering and talking to people and exchanging currency and things like that. It's a it's a nice way. I'm too accustomed to it. How's everybody doing on their wine? Just standing. Good. Yeah, I think we're done, right? We're run, we're at the top of the yeah, hour. Yeah, we are at the top of the hour. You don't want me to keep. You don't want me to keep. You don't want me to keep rambling. Is that what you're saying? about? What random things well, you bought on Amazon? No, well, you can say that for next week. Yeah. Yeah, like quit ruining everything. What what okay. experiences are we gonna have left if you take them all? Oh no, I have I have lot I have lots of them. I have lots of them. The, the last one I'll I'll talk about is um. Oh no. <laughs> you so so I like to oh, cook. Damn it! I like I like to cook on the grill. And I like to make seafood on the grill, but I don't like cooking it on the grill because I don't like like the black stuff from the from the actual grilling of it. So I was like, all right. So I invested in a cast iron frying pan, right, so that I could, you know, basically saute shrimp on the grill because I wanted to have steak and shrimp one night, right? So I got this this cast iron grill, 
And I got it, and I realized, well, if I'm going to put it on the grill, I need that special silicon handle thing that you put on it so you don't burn your hand when you try to take it off. So after I ordered the pan, I had to order the handle. And then when I got it, I washed it, and I just rinsed it out. But it's not seasoned, so it all, like, rusted up. So you have to get the special seasoning for it. Like, it's a, it looks like... Like, it looks like a stick of deodorant, and you just take the the the. You can the see rub any, and you... any any lard or fat will do. So, but that's yeah. what I thought. But this was something that was special, and it was only oh, I think God, I paid no. eleven bucks for it. So I had that mm-hmm. come. So, like I said, I literally, you know, I get it's not just one delivery a day. There's a morning oh, delivery, no. there's an afternoon delivery, and there's an evening delivery. Oh yeah, every, no, totally. Yeah. And every item I'm getting has an average selling price of under eleven bucks. So yeah. I have a show for you, Scott. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, on YouTube, you need to look up Vivian Tries. Vivian Tries. Yes. I don't know if I want that in my browser history. Do I use it on my no. work <laughs> device or my so, personal device? So don't, don't put anything on your work device. Vi- it's no Vivian work. Tries is – is um, I, I'm going to make some gross stereotypes. Uh, I'm going to make some gross stereotypes right now. Finish your wine um, for us. She, she seems to be uh, – she's an Italian-American um, housewife. Right. Uh, I want to say New Jersey ish, but maybe not. Could be someplace else. And she has a YouTube show where every week she buys a bunch of random small things like that, either on Amazon or at the dollar store or whatever. And she reviews them. And and she just goes through them. and they're hilarious reviews because she's like, you know, she'll watch the commercial and say the commercial says this. She tried to do exactly what it what they did. And to see if she can reproduce the effect or not. And so a lot of it is her calling them on their bullshit. But every now and then she finds some really interesting things that are useful. Nice. Vivian tries. So nice. I'm going to say we need something that looks a lot and, and, and gives us the podcast effect of the hook at Showtime at the Apollo. Like that needs to happen immediately. <sighs> Because we should wrap this. It's yeah, it's, it's over time. At this but point. it's not it's not the hook, right? Um, <laughs> it's the, it's the guy with the broom, right? It's the clown with okay. the broom, right? Come on, Sand. Is it Sand? Is it no? Um, who is it? It was always a hook when I was watching, was it? which maybe belies my age. But was it? A, let's see. I got to Google that. Yeah. What is the hook? Sorry. Yeah. Yes. I remember how they used to end Hee Haw, but then again, I'm older than everybody here, so they probably don't even remember Hee Haw. No, no. Oh, so 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 we're both right. Right. He was the clown, uh, Howard the Sandman, right? He had a hook or a broom or other props, according to Wikipedia. So. All right. Howard Sandman. Yeah. So we're getting the hook or the broom, right? Oh, we're done. So thanks everybody for listening. Um, thanks for hanging with us. Please go out and drink your local wine as well. Support local wineries. Um, they're trying to make it. Um, don't just support the freaking gallows of the world. And if you're drinking gala, you actually should never listen to this podcast again. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, that I'll throw it out there for that. Tough um, fair. Yeah. Um, and tune in next week when Scott's going to take us through some interesting topics and some interesting um, South African um, wine. South African wine. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I know what I know what I'm going to get. I know exactly what I'm going to get. Okay. Good. Awesome. I know what I'm going to get. Do you know what you're going to get, Melissa? No idea, but thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, totally appreciate it. Episode 15, so much. Thank you for all the viewers. In the can. Yay.